Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Ask me anything. Yes, this episode of Someone Gets Me is a series of different questions that have come up over and over and over again in comments on the YouTube channel, emails, and in sessions. And so I have been asked by the people I work with, and actually a couple colleagues too, to answer some of the questions that I hear all the time and try to give um, a, a general perspective so that maybe this will strike a chord with you or someone you love and care about, and you can share some of these questions as we all travel on this journey, as Ram Dass says, we're just walking each other home, right? So let's get into the questions that have been coming my way. And I'm going to do the best I can to give an, an answer that is meaningful and rich. And of course, if you have a question, email me in the link in the, in the show notes or go on my website. You can even get a, a free 30-minute call with me to get a personal direct answer to your question. I like to make sure that those of us who are wondering why or wondering how have an avenue to have the question answered in the best of my ability. And so through my autobiography and decades of experience as a twice exceptional gifted therapist, counselor, mentor, all of the above, here we go. You ready? Okay. Question number one. Um, I was asked recently about the question says this, you are a mentor. How did you get there? Well, that could take the whole time. So I'm going to do a cliff note version. I, I got out of undergraduate school with a degree in psychology from the University of Florida. Go Gators. See Albert behind me on the chair. Yeah, um, I love that school. I got a great education there. And I also have a master's degree in rehab counseling from the University of South Florida. Go Bulls. Um, my heart's still with the Gators. So. And so I've been in a helping personal development kind of, of work. Um, from the very beginning, I've always worked in some form or capacity in serving or helping or counseling or therapy or substance abuse or mental health in every kind of venue you could think of. And years ago, I think it was around 2002, I was the clinical director of a substance abuse treatment center for executives. And the Anderson Cooper show came and interviewed and interviewed me and, and kind of sat in on one of my groups and they can only take pictures of hands, all that kind of confidentiality things. But the people in that group at the time said, well, what about, what about us? What about when we leave here? What are we going to do then? And I said, well, I'll still help you. And I, so I was just kind of saying, I'm going to do what I can to help you be successful. And then pretty soon my mentoring um, practice kind of began a little bit after that, a couple of years later, where I believe that as a mentor versus a coach, a coach is somebody who has a specific skill set and they can get you to that one goal, win the game, get the sale, whatever. And that's great. But a mentor is much bigger than that. It's also not a therapist. A therapist is somebody that's in the medical model that will diagnose you and they're the expert in the, co in the coaching arena. The coach is not the expert you are, but the coach is, is getting you to this one particular goal. As a mentor, 
and an intuitive mentor at that. I use all of those skills and then some. And I look at your whole life, all 12 major life areas, and I take you on your um, journey to your highest good regardless. So we look at all the different factors that play into it and we look for the greater picture. Um, there are a lot of coaches these days and sports teams that exceed themselves as mentors. There are professors at university that mentor the people coming up. So it means that I've already walked the road. I have expertise in this department. I have education, skill, knowledge, and I wrap onto that a very strong and accurate intuition. And so my mentoring is a relational situation where basically I come alongside the person and hear what's going on and help map a strategy so that they can be successful and satisfied in all of their life areas. As, as the phrase goes, a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Like let all parts of your life um, get better. And it was really for me how I became a mentor was more organic and awareness, not only in my own personal development, but in the needs and requests of the gifted people I work with. So question two, um, this is a good one. I had had somebody directly ask me, how did you get this way? I mean, when did you know you had the gift? Now, this is somebody that I, that I was working with and it was on actually the second meeting. And it was it took me a little bit by surprise because what do you mean, how did I get this way? What this person was referring to was spiritually tuned in and intuitive because I have the ability to ask really effective questions that are on point that go with whatever the larger picture is for the person that I'm in the presence of, whether it's electronically or in person. In this case, it was in person. And I have been able to, because of my gift, see and know and feel into a situation from a different angle that helps bring the awareness and aha and growth and freedom to emerge through someone in their own way. And so I know I had the gift when I was five or six years old. It was squashed in me because of expectations of the culture and the world and because I didn't know what it was. Um, my mother used to always tell me I was special and I was different. I never knew what that was. In fact, there was a time where I thought it meant there was something wrong with me. And so I didn't know. And I didn't have anybody showing me. I didn't have a mentor, which is probably why I love being one. You know, like I wish I would have had somebody like me around when I was little to show me the way. I think my mom tried to, but I didn't think there was enough understanding. Um, so I got this way. I was probably born this way. I've come into my way of honoring and living in the sovereignty of my strong empathy and intuition and my spiritual gifts, along with my intellect and my sensitivities in a way that I design to help people get whatever it is they're looking for and live a life that's satisfying and beautiful for them without my agenda being in the way. I, my agenda has nothing to do with it. Um, the next question is, I'm 30 years old and I'm feeling more depressed and anxious and nothing really has changed other than I'm turning 30. <laughs> this is another good one because this is something that comes from anecdotal evidence of my 40-year career. When somebody gets to, and it's included me too, between the ages of 28 and 32, I notice this happens where 
the person begins to feel either frustrated, restlessness, maybe angry, depressed, anxious, all of those things. There's a rub. That person doesn't feel so great, even if nothing, nothing major is going on. And I believe it's maturational. Even people that I've I've helped when they were in their 50s or 60s or late 40s or all different ages beyond 32. And if I say, when did this start? They would almost always say 28 or 30 or 32. They would almost always give me that window. So what I've learned from my own just experience over the decades is that there is some type of maturational way that us humans develop where at that point in our development, it's time to grow into the next level. It's time to grow into an adult. It's try to. It's time to say yes to the calling that's trying to emerge through us. It's time to live life from, from a different place maybe than we were before. Is it physical, like chemical in nature? I don't know the answer to that question because I've never studied it that way. What I have studied is client after client, thousands of people will report the same thing. And I've spoken in very large conferences and asked the specific question. Everybody raises their hand. So is a universal truth? I don't know. What I do know is it's very common. And what I do know is it's nothing to be afraid of or scared of. It means it's time to grow to the next level. As I was telling one of my clients just the other day, when you're feeling frustrated and angsty, that means that's your invitation to grow to the next level. It's your invitation to, to shed some of the old skin that's holding you too tight that allows more of you to emerge. So look at it as an opportunity to free yourself from something old and to step in to something beautiful and something new. Um, it's okay. You'll be okay. And get some help. Get a mentor. Get somebody that can help show you the way that's lived through that already or that understands it's not because you're sick. It's not because anything's going on now. There could be hormones going on. I always tell people test your test your um, your blood, make sure your hormones are okay. And I also tell women if you're taking birth control that's got those hormones in it, even if it worked all through your twenties, and you may be feeling wonky now, you might want to look at that as a possible situation because hormones can create these kinds of things and our body changes over time. And so what was good 10 years ago may not be good today. What was good last year may not work today in the same way. So check out all the available resources and know that it's not because you're doing something wrong. It's part of our growing up. It's part of our development. The next question is this. I know you're knowledgeable about addictions. Can I be addicted to an emotion? And the answer is yes. Um, the most powerful of all addictions do not come from outside of us. They're the inside chemistry in our body and our neurology. Our brain is the most sophisticated pharmacy that there is. And so, yes, you can be addicted to an emotion. You can be addicted to fear, to panic, to anger, to happiness, to joy. You can be addicted to any of it. Um, and I use this example a lot when I did a lot of domestic violence work. And, and sometimes people didn't realize that their home environment was creating a trauma response. And I would think, I would say, think about it. You're happy, you know, and everything's good in the relationship. And, and you come home from work and your partner, whoever it is that's there, is all angry and upset and mad at you. And you're like, whoa, that took me like off guard. And then you deal with whatever it is. And then 
the next time you come home the next day or two days later or the next week, it happens again. And then it happens again. And pretty soon you start feeling that anxiety when you touch the doorknob or pull in the driveway. And pretty soon you're feeling that anxiety when you leave because you know when you come home, it could be that way. And so it starts becoming more prevalent in our world because we're being conditioned um, through the chemistry of the emotion of fear of being attacked or fear of being berated or fear of not being enough. All of those things come because we get conditioned over time for the fear. We live in a culture right now that mass shootings and fear and um, all kinds of things that are just unacceptable are happening. And it's in our faces so much that people are responding and in that addictive cycle of fear and anger that they're making really poor choices. I, um, some of the people who've been causing harm and destruction recently in the news, I see, I watch very little of it. And the little bit that I have been seeing lately is all about people who are doing things just seemingly out of nowhere. Well, it's not out of nowhere. They have a lot of complicated trauma, a lot of complicated grief. Um, there's all kinds of things going on with them. And then this happens, whatever the event is happens. And then they, they shoot somebody or they act up or they go get drunk or they get in a wreck or they, you know, drive ridiculous on the interstate and create a big wreck. There's all kinds of things people do because they're addicted to the emotion, the pattern, domestic violence follows a similar system, you know, everything's good. It's build steam. There's a violence. Then there's like a, a honeymoon phase. Oh, I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Let me back in. And then it starts building up again. That's a really superficial look at it. But the, the point is the answer to this question is yes, you can be addicted to emotion. Many people are addicted to fear. Many people are addicted to um, wanting to connect somehow. And that, that feeling of being alone, loneliness. So think about it. Can you not watch the news? Can you not engage with something that's feeding into fear in your system? Can you begin to ask critical questions? Is what I'm even hearing true, really? Just because it's on TV or it's on Google doesn't make it so. We're learning that more and more these days, right? Okay, so yes, you can be addicted to your emotions. That's where mentoring, counseling, um, and all different kinds of things where people can really understand emotional health can really serve you. It's it's not as much in the coaching realm. It's more in a mentoring realm or therapy realm often. Um, some coaches can do it, but that coaching is a different animal. So you want to have people in your corner that understand emotional wellness, under, understand emotional processing, and can show you the way. So there's that one. Okay, the next question. Um, I've struggled with anxiety for years, and I just heard that I may have gotten this from my mother and aunt who babysat a lot when I was very young. That can be very true. We can inherit emotional, or inherit kind of in quotes, emotional dysregulation, anxiety, and beliefs and things from not only the the presence of the anxiety when we're little because our brains are co-regulating to the big people. So if your mom is anxious or your aunt or whoever the big people are around you are anxious, then your brain co-regulates to anxiety and keeps that energy going in you, whether you're anxious or not, because that's what it knows. That can happen. 
You can have belief systems that create anxiety, like something bad's going to happen or this or that, depending on what your mom did or not. And there's also behavior patterns where anxious people sometimes act in a different way. You know, maybe they can be a little bit more emotionally dysregulated and snappy or difficult or, or sometimes isolate. And so you learn that, especially when you're young, how to mirror that pattern, mirror that behavior, and your brain co-regulates to it. Now, the good news is there is a way to fix it. There is a way to help you grow beyond that patterning and that that interruption in your own neurology that's creating anxiety. You can use your breath because when we're anxious, we hold our breath. Holding our breath is the first of all addictive behaviors and, and pain moderating behaviors we use when we're little. And so we can look at our breath. We can look at our food and see if we're eating medicating food. We can begin to kind of peel away all of the different coping me mechanisms we've had over time and then seek help for how to handle anxiety and what to do on the other side of it. Um, I was doing safe and sound protocol with a woman and she was like in her 20s. I think she's 26 or something. And and after we were done, she goes, I'm really bored. I said, that's peace. It's peace you're feeling. She'd never felt peace. She was raised in a very dysregulated world with a lot of just chaos and had never had a chance in her life to feel peace and calm. And now she can. Now her life is totally different because her system could come back into alignment. So there's all kinds of ways to, to have that work in your favor. And the last question that was given to me for um, this episode was to share a success story that brings a smile to my face. Will you please share a success story that brings a smile to my face? Yes, I will. There's many of them. There's thousands and thousands of success stories that bring a smile to my face. And I think the one that popped in my mind as I read this question right this moment is a family I worked with over time where initially I met the dad and he was one of my clients a long time ago, like, I don't know, 20 years ago, I think it was by now, at least. And, and I helped this guy out. He was highly gifted, profoundly gifted, had difficulty with emotional expression, had difficulty with feeling um, self-confident and okay with himself. He beat himself up badly, you know, mentally, you know, and um, had difficulty in, in um, with some anxiety or some going out in public and being around people and didn't feel understood. And, and it was just, it was a lot of cluster of situations where a highly profoundly gifted person is trying to make it in an, in an insensitive kind of average world and not really having anyone to turn to. So he used a lot of coping skills that weren't helping him, um, but he also did a lot of really amazing um, um, social or uh, martial arts. There you go. And things like that to stay grounded. So we were, I worked with him and then I worked with him and his wife a little bit after that to help them with their, with their relationship and their communication. And then some years went by and I got a phone call asking me to work with their children. And, um, and that was beautiful. And so as the children got older um, and, and got into junior high and high school, they asked me to come work with the children and the family so that, and the quote is, so that they didn't have to go through the same struggles the adults did. That brings a smile to my face. Yeah. Because the parents' awareness and healing and growth and development 
they desired so strongly to pass to their children. They brought in me as a mentor to help the young people in addition to their own wellness so that everybody could grow together to the next level. And that makes me very happy to see that family system thriving in a way that wouldn't have been possible had they not reached out and most importantly received the help. It's one thing to ask for support and help. It's another thing to receive it. So sometimes asking is really hard and sometimes receiving is even harder. So practice receiving, practice asking. So if the answers to these questions have served you, um, they're fun to answer. There's so many specifics personally that we could put onto all of them, of course, and they're kind of universal questions. So I have my email in the show notes. You can email me your question. If you want to do a free 30-minute call, that link is in the show notes, and I'm happy to answer your questions. I'm happy to help support your journey in any way that I can. Because what I know is when our light emerges, when our talents come up, when our gifts are allowed to be seen in the world and we are seen and we know that we belong, this world becomes a better place for us and the generations to come. So remember, you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a mighty purpose. And so go out there, get your questions answered, keep growing, keep allowing that inner beauty, that fire in you to emerge. Because you are here with just an amazing light for the world. I'm so glad that you listened. I'm so glad you're part of my community. Know that every day I just hold goodness for all of you. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.